Do you struggle to find answers to your pelvic health problems? Do you feel silenced in your quest to just feel better? Women, girls, sisters, if you have experienced infertility, PCOS, incontinence, painful periods, sexual trauma, and so much more associated with the pelvis, then Women's Pelvis Wellness is a place for you. Me and experts from around the world are joining here to get you the answers to the holistic health that you have been seeking. Please join us in being a pelvis wellness warrior. All right, today my guest is Becky. Becky's a friend of mine and she has a, um, a really powerful story. And I wanted to offer my listeners the real life stories that have that people have experienced all over the world, you know, and this is something that, um, you know, is very, very common, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and so we wanted to shed a little bit of light on her story and just kind of the process of how everything happened. Um, but again, I want to showcase real life stories, not just, you know, different types of medical practitioners, which obviously are very important, but, um, you know, these real life stories need to be shared. Right. So thank you for being so open with us. Yeah. Thank you for letting me share. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if we kind of start at the beginning, right. So, um, I already had a son, uh, he was born in 2009 and my husband and I decided when he was about two that we were going to try for another, um, my older son, it was super easy. Like the second I went off birth control, we were pregnant. I had no problems. It was all, you know, textbook, right? So then in 2000, well, in late 2011 is when I got pregnant the first time. Um, and then that spring, it was in March, um, I had excruciating pain. It was very sudden. It was late at night. Um, I was brushing my teeth, actually. And I dropped and held onto the edge of the counter and I said, something's not right to my husband. And um, thankfully, my mother-in-law lived very close and was able to rush over and be with my son while my husband took me to the emergency room. Um, they told us pretty much right away that they couldn't find a heartbeat. I mean, it was, it was pretty immediate that they knew something was wrong, but they didn't know what. So we were there for a long time and they sent us home that night, still not knowing, and then said, you know, okay, you need to be referred right away the next day to a specialist. So we went back the next day to a, an OBGYN and they determined pretty much immediately at that point, right, that it was a ectopic um, on my left side. So with that one... So ectopic means that the, it has implanted in the fallopian tube. Yes. Which, you know, cannot be sustained and could, uh, you know, absolutely kill the mom. So, yes, absolutely. And it's, and it grows, right? So, you know, your body for a while is like, this is fine and I'm going to do what I can here, um, which is when it gets risky. So the further along in the pregnancy you do get, the higher the risk is for things to go wrong. So that was the pain I was feeling was... Um, it was really just growth. I was very lucky in that nothing had burst, nothing had gone wrong. It was just growing and it hurt. Mm -hmm. um, so when they, what they do is they admit you to the hospital. Um, you're actually admitted to oncology. 
and they treat you with a dose of methotrexate, which is something they also will treat people with for chemo, which is why you're in the oncology unit. And my husband said one of the weirdest parts of that for him was that the um, oncology nurse who delivers the medication comes in in full full gown, full, I mean, mask and the head and everything because they don't want that medication on them. And uh, they inject that right into your butt. And um, it's pretty miserable. Um, you stay in the hospital for about an hour, maybe two. And then they sent me home with strict instructions that if I threw up or was ill anywhere, that nobody should touch it um, because of the poison, basically, that I just had. Right. And at that point, you know, we didn't, we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know why. We didn't know much. Um, so I was referred, you know, obviously to, to specialists at that point to, um, to a special OBGYN who dealt with high risk issues. And, um, you know, he, he was fabulous. And, you know, the first thing he kind of did was sort of grab my hand and grab my husband's hand. And he was like, it's, it's shit luck. This is shit luck. You've got nothing to do with anything. This is, it's a, it's a lightning strike. We'll figure this out. Mm -hmm. So then. We waited a while and decided to try to get pregnant again later in 2012 and um, got pregnant. And it was very exciting and very scary for both of us. And um, I was considered high risk because of the first tubal. So I had to have ultrasounds on the regular and um, for, we had to go in and have an ultrasound, a, a vaginal one. And they found that it was topic again on the same side so and it's it's like vivid that memory is vivid I can I could tell you I can tell you what song it was Christina Perry's um um the uh, eternity or whatever the one from the movie Twilight it was playing on the radio while they were telling us this in the the room and um they decided to treat it the same way so admitted to the hospital again methotrexate again and um, sent home to wait. And you go back every, I don't know if it's every 24, it would have been every other day, like every day and a half. You had to go have your blood drawn to make sure that it's working. So your hormones should be going down. And mine, unfortunately, were doubling every day still. So the pregnancy was continuing. Um, and so they decided to do a DNC which is um, a lot of paperwork that you're signing in a frantic kind of bizarre moment. So none of it really occurred to me, I guess, what was happening medically necessarily. I knew that I needed to have this and I knew that, you know, they were doing what they needed to do health wise. So we went in for the DNC and they did decide to put me um, under anesthesia and I went under anesthesia. And when I woke up, um, it was a very bizarre, very surreal situation. I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't really understand. Everybody was being very calm with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's when they, they told me that um, while they were performing the DNC, there was suddenly a lot of blood. And um, some of the pain I'd been having that morning, the tube had burst. And I was bleeding internally. So they started the DNC, had to quickly stop and instead perform surgery to 
removed that entire tube so that the whole tube off the left side was was taken. Um, so, you know, you deal with all that, right? So you, you, we went through this twice. Um, one of the things the doctor said to my husband was, thank God it is the year that it is. Had this been even 25, 30 years ago, your wife would be gone. Um, so we dealt with all of that. We dealt with kind of the stress of it. And then I think what's led me to talk about it more and more and more as time has gone on is it's more common than people realize. And then I think the other thing that gets in my head and I'm like, I got to talk about this more. Every treatment I had, so both doses of methotrexate, the DNC, and then the emergency surgery are all categorized as a, um, a chosen abortion. Yeah. They're all categorized as the mother chose to terminate this pregnancy. Right. There might be a postscript, right, that says it was life-threatening or, you know, the, the fetus was, I mean, it wasn't going to live. It was already gone. But they categorize it first and foremost as... An elective abortion. Elective, right. And one of the things, you know, I mean, obviously, politics are messed up right now, right? Yeah. And um, you'll hear it talked about, and and it was... Over the last two years, it's been actually in the news a couple times because there's been some lawmakers who have said things like, well, you know, in the case of ectopic pregnancies, they can they can transplant. Yeah, they the can fetus. move it. And then there's been other ones who are like, well, you know, you, you don't have to take methotrexate. You could just let nature take its course. And I mean, every time I have like a visceral, like I have to put my phone down and walk away. I can't even look at yeah. these news stories because I'm like, you're saying at that point that I just should have died rather than seeking these medical advantages because you're so hell bent on what you want to call an abortion or not call an abortion. Right. And, and I just want to say this right now yeah, yeah. that full on, you know, your choice, you know, this is, yeah, yeah full on, you know, this is not, this is what we're talking about here is how it's being diagnosed, how it's being labeled. Right. Um, well, you know, the, the reason your abortion is hundred percent, you know, whether it's elective, right. elective, cause you choose it or because you basically right. have to choose it completely your choice. That's not what we're trying well, to focus on here, but no, no, no. Because yeah. what happens is people get so hung up on abortion period. They hear the word and their brain goes one direction or another and they stop. Right. And there isn't a lot of thought into there's so many scenarios. Mm -hmm. There's so many different options. And when your brain goes into one spot and you decide this is my black and white switch and this is where I'm going to draw my hard line, that's where, you know, there is this whole gamut of other situations. There's and people a lot of gray. Right. Because there's a lot of scenarios it could be necessary. Mm -hmm. And I don't even I, I don't actually mind one bit that it says that it was an elective abortion on my, my paperwork. Cause it was because the choices that were presented to me were die, die or, <laughs> or terminate this pregnancy where it's at so that you can live and potentially have more children and, and care for the one you've already got. <laughs> yep. So for me, I was like, that's fine. Like I've got no problem with that part. Um, I think what kind of made me, pause with it or what upsets me with it is that you know if you're going to say it's black and white abortions evil 
then you take away the opportunity for someone to even have that choice. So I would have just died. So right. if some of laws had passed where methotrexate was illegal or I wasn't allowed to make that, I mean, my tube would have burst and I would have bled out. So it's, it's what I get very heated about. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, that's the thing is like, you know, it does have to be something that needs to be discussed very, very much in depth because it, because there is so much gray. Um, yeah. you know, another example is, um, I forget which state, I wish I would remember, but they, they have a law in the state that you cannot have an abortion after a certain time. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, my personal beliefs versus what I think for the world, you know, might be two different things, but in this specific case, um, this baby was not going to survive. The heart was, the heart was like growing too large and just crushing everything. Yep. And so, I mean, she was not going to make it and the couple wanted to hold her alive, huh. um, you know, while they could. And because she was, um, like six, I think she was just under like a 24 week period. Mm -hmm. So she was induced and she had the baby. Um, and that because they induced her and because they wanted to hold their baby, it was actually recorded as a late term abortion. <sighs> and that's the thing, like, because she elected to end her pregnancy early, even though she delivered a live baby and the baby was not going to live. It was not right. compatible with life. And that's the thing is we're looking at how things are documented and labeled and, you know, the, the policies around that. So if you take something away, um, there's a huge difference between, you know, somebody who is using abortion as birth control and someone who needs it to live. Yeah. And it's, you know, like I said, I've got no problem with it even being indicated as abortion because right. when it comes to it, I did choose right. to end those non-viable pregnancies. Right. They were really wanted, but I, the baby wasn't there um, and it was putting my life at risk. So, yeah. you know, those pieces of it, that's fine. Like it is what it is as far as that goes. And it doesn't, that doesn't bother me. It sure. bothers me. I hear like, like you said, right? Like some of the terminology or the fact that, you know, people talk about making things criminal. So it, it's just, it's yeah. such a ridiculous. Or, or when an, an incredibly, sorry, this is going to be sexist, but an incredibly uneducated man says <laughs> you can just move it, just yes. move it out of the tube and put it in the uterus. Yeah. That one and was, yeah. that my husband take an anatomy lesson brother a little bit like what like where is this person getting this information like it, yeah so i mean it, that's all oh, it's all head. yeah it's all a lot right like it's all it's all very heavy and it all kind of ties back to a lot of different stuff and you know so i um in 2000 so that was 2012 and in 2000 i don't even know 18, late 18, maybe early 19, um, I realized that I'd been having panic attacks and that I needed to do something about that for myself. Um, in 2015, I did have a healthy little boy. So I did go on to carry a pregnancy um, with my one tube, but 
so I was, it took a while to get pregnant, but I got pregnant. Um, and then after he was born, I just realized I was constantly scared. And, um, I went to my doctor about it and they suggested, you know, talking to somebody and I did eventually go talk to somebody. And when I had come home, you know, like the second time, I think, and I said to my husband, I said, that was really heavy and it was a lot, but, you know, we started to kind of get back to, it was a trauma and I, I didn't look at it that way because it was just something that happened that we had to get through. Right. It was something that took place and I physically recovered from it. I was able to have another baby. It was scary. And neither of us ever want anything to do with pregnancy again, because it's terrifying. But I didn't look at it like a trauma. And that's when, you know, I had talked to a therapist and um, around that time I had started coming to you for massages. And that's probably about to, right. When I started seeing you was when I started just verbally dumping it on anybody who was around because I was like that's you know it's it's a thing that happened and it's okay to talk about it like if I was lose if I had to have my leg removed I'd probably bring it up at some point in conversation with you because I'm missing my leg I had to have half of my reproductive stuff removed but you can't see that so it was something you kind of keep like it's not something that you just tell people about because they don't necessarily want to hear about your fallopian tubes <laughs> right yeah ew yeah, but I've started talking about mucus while we're at it. That's a fun thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've started just, just sharing it. You know, I've started kind yeah. of letting it out because once I had the conversation with her that it's, it's a trauma that I went through and that I need to kind of recover from, I've been able to sort of manage that a little bit more and get out of my own head and realize not everything ends in a trauma. Not everything is leading up to a trauma, which is kind of where I was. I was at a very high every scenario could kill everybody around me. Mm -hmm. um, and it's taken a while to get back from that, but I'm getting there. Well, and you know, and, and there's, there's more of the story too. And I know that you don't really mind me sharing. The thing is too, is like, this trauma was more than just physical. It was emotional. It was mental. It was yeah. energetic. And when you mm -hmm. start talking about the chakra system, you know, where the pregnancies take place, what those, you know, first three chakras actually have to deal with in our life. And you started having GI issues after that and that you did not have before. The anxiety yep. that led to panic attacks that you did not have before. Yep. And, you know, talking with people like intuitives and getting some energy healing and obviously talk therapy has certainly helped. Yep. Did yeah, you do EMDR? Sure. No. Okay. Yeah, I have done that. That's, that's wonderful. That helps really a lot too. The talk therapy is what kind of kicked it off for me. You know, like that was kind of what pushed me, I think, over it. And I had gone back and forth about it. And I went in with a very different attitude. Like I was like, well, I'm stressed because of this and because I have kids. And, you know, I had this whole list of things. And then we started kind of working backwards. And she was like, yeah, you're just, you're not dealing with this like really very big traumatic thing that took place. And, to your point, you know, it leads to all sorts of other problems. And I still do. The panic stuff is better, but I do definitely still have GI issues and other problems as a result. And I mean, I, I blame my, my younger son. I always pick on him and say, you know, he's kind of messed everything up, but hormonally, I mean, I've been a wreck since 2012. So yeah. I can't even blame him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I mean, there's, there's a lot to say for that because the, 
the emotional swings that happen when you're pregnant. So when you think about that and the stress level and hormones and stress and all that stuff, I mean, it's, it was just chaos within your body for years. Yeah. And it's, you know, when I think about it too, like it all happened in the one year. So it was, um, I got pregnant in late 2011 and I lost the first baby in March. Um, and then I lost the second baby in, um, September. Okay. So it was very quick. Gotcha. Um, and it was one of those scenarios too, because the first one was methotrexate only. It wasn't surgical. Um, so, you know, the doctor was pretty much like, you can try again whenever you want. Um, the second one after that, we had to wait a while and I had, I don't remember the name of the procedure, but I had to have a, a very invasive dye procedure where mm-hmm. they inserted dye through um, to make sure that it moved through my remaining tube appropriately sure. to make sure. And it, exactly. it happened on the same side twice too, which is weird, but who knows? So for all we, I'm, all we can figure. But good in, in a way, because I mean, you don't want that scar tissue in both of them, you know? Well, the, the working theory, right, would be that um, my older son who I got pregnant with so easily was probably on the other side. Right. And then I probably always had scar tissue or that tube wasn't quite right or it wasn't big enough or it wasn't something right so, just bad luck but it's one of those bad luck things that i think people yeah they just don't you don't talk about it a lot you don't necessarily share it and i think you know the pelvic health thing in general right it's and you know that obviously it's hard to get people to talk about it it's hard to get people right. to feel they can share it and you know i'll use the leg thing again like I have a wonky knee. I have a bad knee. I've got zero problem telling people about my bad knee or going and talking about my bad knee or going to therapy for my knee. But you get into the pelvic health and it is a little bit like people don't want to hear this. You know, they don't want to talk about my tubes and my uterus. (laughs) Well, and that's obviously, you know, part of my mission is to just literally bring all those conversations mainstream because you know, the thing of it is, well, I mean, you have two boys, but you have girls and women in your life that you love, you know, and I mean, chances are those boys are probably going to grow up and, you know, have women who come into their life, you know, and like with me, I mean, I've got a daughter and I've got a lot of women in my life who I love. And the thing is, um, I mean, miscarriage in general is incredible. I mean, it's, it's like one in every, they say one in every four, but then there's right. other things they're saying actually every one in three. Um, so it's incredibly common. Um, not as common, obviously, to have it in your tomb. But again, just one more thing that needs to be discussed so that women know that this yeah. is something very common. You're not alone. You didn't do anything wrong. There's really nothing that you can do to prevent it because how, how could you possibly know? So like, yeah. well, I'm going to, I want to try to have children. So I'm going to go and make sure that both my tubes are clear. Like no one thinks that until no, we start having no. problems. Right. And that's, you know, that was one of the things my doctor, again, he was, he was assigned to us via like he was the person working, you know, and uh, he ended up being just so wonderful and we were so happy to have him. And he then delivered my second son um, and stayed with us through it. And, was with us through all of that and was so, um, he was so good about that because I would go into his office just like, I don't get it, you know, and I struggled with that. Like, what did I do? I must have done something, right? 
Mm-hmm. And he just constantly was like, this is, it's bullshit. This is bullshit. It's bad luck. Like you just got screwed over in this. Let's figure it out and move on. You know, we've got options. And he very much just kind of kept pushing us forward, which I needed somebody to say, because there is so much stigma and mystery, like you're saying mm-hmm. too, right? It's, it's not there. So we would tell people we had a tubal pregnancy and there was a lot of like, you know, confused, like, I don't get it. I don't quite understand. And then you had to explain it, which while we're in the midst of it, it's not a good time. Like well, it's even more traumatic, you know? Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So there needs to be, you know, um, well, and also too, I suppose there probably isn't, you know, a ton of better ways to, you know, help basically dissolve the pregnancy so that, you know, you can nope. so that everything kind of flush out because you just think of that medication and how harsh it is on your body too. So there's, yeah. there's so many elements to this. It's like, yep. I have a baby. We're so excited. We're having a baby. Oh wait, we're not having a baby. And oh gosh, I might die. And then I have to do this. And you know, all, and then it happens again. And then it's even more severe. And then again, the back to like the policy yeah. and the way things are labeled. Yep. Well, and the being admitted to oncology was um, weird. It was weird, really heavy. And, you know, you're going down that hallway and there's people who are there in the hospital and they're in the oncology ward. They're very ill. And I'm walking on my own accord. It just, it was all very strange. Like I felt bad even being there and Mm -hmm. like taking up those nurses time or those nurses were like the most incredible humans on the entire planet. Like I, I say the the way that they treated me and like the love and the care you know was amazing like what am I doing in here like this isn't the right spot necessarily for me but it's just another one of those like they're not quite sure what to do with you you know yeah well that's good I mean I'm really glad that you had really good positive experiences with the healthcare, you know, team yes. that was around you because yes. I've heard these exact same stories and they had horrific healthcare. So then that even adds yes. a more severe long-term trauma. There was only one nurse who we uh, had problems with and it was after, um, it was, well, it started between the two and it was after it was one of my doctor's nurses and um, she didn't seem to quite get it. And she, she had made some comments like, oh, I see you've had um, three babies. And I was like, nope, no, I have one baby and I've lost two babies. And she would just constantly kind of flip, uh, like mess up on things like that, which I don't think was intentional. But the level of trauma and hormone that I was at for that entire calendar year, um, I did eventually tell my doctor that she was making me feel not good about things and I never saw her again. So well and the thing too is that, you know, <laughs> read the chart. Right. It's in the chart, people. Read the chart. Yep. <laughs> and now I do like that because that happened, I do when I go to a new doctor especially and they're reading through that part of your history, I always kind of like tense up. I'm ready for it. Like are you gonna pay attention to what you're reading or are you gonna ask me an appropriate question? Yeah. Because I've had four pregnancies. I've only got two children, but I've been pregnant four times. Right. Right. Yeah. Crazy. I know. Well, and also too, you know, being, being someone who, you know, works on you, on your body Mm -hmm. and energetically, 
I mean, I've seen you come in doing well and I've seen you come in doing not so great that day. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, this is something that affects you, you know, for a long time. And um, Mm -hmm. it's, you can absolutely work through it. You know, you definitely have to kind of keep moving through it, but the trauma of that, you know, it is significant and it is real, you know, so those things need to be paid attention to, you know, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you can't see it, you know, that like, you not, you know, you never felt it move, you know, or, or some people will say things like, well, it's better to lose it now than to lose them, you know, after they're born, or it's better to lose them when they're one than when they're 21. And I'm just like, it's never a good time, people, <laughs> especially people when you really want it, you know? Yeah, that's, that's, you know, they were wanted. And um, yeah, the, the trauma part and the working through it part, I think one of the things that wasn't ever talked about you know, I mean, obviously from the timeline that I'm sharing, right? Like I went on for a while, just kind of dealing with it and, you know, just having good days, having bad days, realizing that I wasn't handling stress the way I used to handle stress, but I couldn't figure out why. And I thought it was maybe just age, having a second kid, you know, going through whatever. Um, And I kind of, in hindsight, I wish that when that had been happening, that somebody had said, you know, you should maybe consider therapy right away or like, let's help you deal with the, the emotional part of this. Cause I had people helping with the medical, but you know, to your point, it's, it's emotional too. And nobody suggested it. And I think maybe that, you know, I could have dealt with it sooner. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, we can always improve upon the system. <laughs> Very much to so. say the least. <laughs> I would, uh, I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. I know there are going to yeah. be a lot of, you know, women and couples who hear this and who have had, you know, very similar experiences and hopefully yeah. they will, you know, be encouraged to get help if they haven't already. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, letting me join you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for sharing again, like I said. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for joining me today on Women's Pelvis Wellness, where you can be heard. Because remember, if you're not being heard, you're not being helped. Please join my Facebook group by the same name, Women's Pelvis Wellness, and join a community of women who are there for you to support you, guide you, and love you through your pelvic health struggles. Also, this is a great place to check out my new class schedule. Thank you for joining me in becoming a pelvis wellness warrior.